I'm Carrington Vanston. I'm Mike McGinnis. And he's Mike McGinnis. What? <laughs> and you're <laughs> listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast, where I am attempting to throw Mike for a curve, or however the saying goes. I thought we told that guy not to, not to contact us again. I may be a little punch drunk. It's late at night. I just got home from work, um, and I've played a lot of this video game. Uh, well, we can... Uh, this will probably be a short session and so. that was the show folks <laughs> thanks for tuning in here's what next week's show sounds like yeah so mike talk to me did we get any feedback because i'll tell you from my standpoint i got nothing not a tweet not an email i ceased to exist since the last show uh v- vintage volts wrote it on facebook i'm i uh, he said i must admit I'm clueless as to what next week's game is, but it certainly sounds like it might be pre-1983 based on the simplistic tones and sound effects. Well, uh, I imagine that no one else knew what this is either. Which surprises me. We have had far more obscure games where tons of people guessed it. And as far as I can tell, nobody got this week's game, but it's actually a fairly big title, I guess. In a sense. I knew it. Um, Well, maybe... Just wasn't all that popular. Oh, maybe it's that. Well, it was. It had very unfortunate timing with its release. So shall shall we just jump right into the game and tell people what it is? Oh, sure. Why not? Shall we yeah. unveil the secrets? Please do. Duck Dodgers in the twenty fourth and a half. No, it's not. It's Buck Rogers, <laughs> Planet of Zoom. Got to have the Planet of Zoom part. That's important. It is. Yes, this game was released in nineteen eighty two by Sega. It was just in time. Got it. Want to get it right in time for the crash. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, actually, if you think about it, it was kind of unfortunate timing to put out a Buck Rogers game because it came out, like you said, in 1982. So it's coming out a year after the TV show is canceled and a year before Star Wars comes out and gives a much better game with similar gameplay. So it had that tiny little window of opportunity. <laughs> Well, it didn't have much of a plot, and in fact, if you don't have the manual for this game, you probably didn't know what the plot was. You wouldn't know about the source ship if you didn't have the manual. Yes, or the fact that in, you are uh, you are fighting off an entire planet. You are indeed. You are fighting a, a, to liberate a planet, basically, from the planet. So, I'll, I'll, in fact, I'll read you a bit from the manual. Game mm. concept, it says, on page four of the manual. Flying skills and targeting accuracy must be honed to a fine edge as you take command of Earth's last remaining hope of defense. Responsive eight-way joystick in hand. <laughs> Excitement <laughs> is the name of the game as the Buck Rogers in all of us pilots a remote-controlled space ship through the planet of zoom <laughs> what a ridiculous name for planet so in the 25th century buck rogers is confronted by a wicked warrior world the planet of zoom it is a gargantuan out of orbit world that devastates everything in its path and is ruled by an evil source ship buck rogers mission to destroy the source ship and liberate the planet of zoom before it reaches earth now you would get none of that from playing the actual game <laughs> Right, there, there's no there's no story explanation at all. You 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 drop your quarter in and you're just you're flying and things are coming at you and you're shooting them. But uh... and there's nothing really wrong with that. If you think about it, there's no more story to Space Invaders or something. It's just you you're in a ship and you're you shoot the bad guys. It's xenophobia at its at its boiled down best. Yeah, I I didn't uh, I don't know I found the gameplay kind of repetitive. It is. So to describe to people, so you're flying a spaceship, it's a Buck Rogers thing, but instead of the 
face on or whatever you'd call the the Star Wars or the the Space Invaders look where you're looking at a spaceship and it's shooting upward. You're kind of behind and a bit above your spaceship in sort of Tomb Raider mode. So think of it as like Tomb Raider for spaceships. So you're, you're behind it and you're controlling this, in a sense, remote control spaceship. And it's quite three-dimensional. So it's flying forward and things are coming at you. And I think what's what's interesting about the game is the scaling effects. Things start small and they scale quite big as they come at you in a, in a quasi 3D sort of effect. So you have, you have uh, waves of enemies in various formations, uh, you know, circling and then coming at the screen and you have to try to, you know, blow them out of the sky as you're making your way toward the, the big source ship, the, the boss fights. Right. And in fact, this was sort of an early example of a concept that was better executed later on with titles like Space Harrier and Afterburner. But you can cut, you know, great choices. Those are exactly the two games that this reminded me of. And I do think, though, you, you sort of see the seeds of those games. So it was kind of fun to, to play it. And you think, hey, this is like a Space Harrier type game. Although I think it is done better in those later two games. Definitely. This is a, the, the, a low rent version of those games. Sure. Um, and that's all we have to say about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we have more. In the year 1987, NASA launched the last of America's deep space probes. Aboard this compact starship, a lone astronaut, Captain William Buck Rogers, was to experience cosmic forces beyond all comprehension. In a freak mishap, his life support systems were frozen by temperatures beyond imagination. Ranger 3 was blown out of its planned trajectory into an orbit 1,000 times more vast. An orbit which was to return Buck Rogers to Earth 500 years later. So how far did you get into this game, actually? Not very far at all. Uh, I got very bored with this game early, and so I didn't actually play it all that much. Um, I didn't get bored. I just kind of... I'm not great at these games where you have to visually figure out what plane of the 3D stuff it's something's on to shoot it. And I find it... I don't know. My perspective doesn't seem to match the game's perspective ever in these games. It was the same thing with um, Zaxxon. I never really knew... The height and the I'm hitting walls. I'm, I'm I'm just not good at these games, so <laughs> I didn't get bored because I'm so bad I can't play long enough to get bored. I would not be good at defending the 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 Earth from the warrior world planet of Zoom. The the Earth would be doomed if I was given <laughs> this this role. Well, maybe if the actual Buck Rogers had appeared anywhere at all in this game, <laughs> uh, he yeah. would have defended the he would have defended it better. But in fact, the only place Buck Rogers appears is on the on the side uh, in the cabinet <laughs> side art. And honestly, I think if they didn't do, I think it's like it's a, like sort of a generic game, and I think they just licensed the the TV show. And, and said, oh, let's make it a, a, a Buck Rogers game. And I suspect that that license was cheap because the game was already, the TV show was already canceled by the time this came out. But if that wasn't on the side art and if the logo Buck Rogers didn't appear in the front of the game, you'd never really know this was a Buck Rogers game. There's no um, doctor. What was the guy? The little the little robot with the with the backpack head. Well, there was Tweaky, the, the little beady, beady, beady robot. Um, and then he carried around the, the talking head, flashy eyes. Dr. Theopolis? Um, Octagon, Dr. Theopolis, or something like that. Yes. What is that? This is Twiki. He's your drone. My what? Well, for the duration of your debriefing and determination, Twiki here will act as your aide. 
And this, this is Dr. Theophilus. Good morning, Dr. Theophilus. It's a lovely day. Thank you. I did my best. Theopolis, that was it, yes. But like those characters don't appear. There's no Gil Gerard. There's no uh, Aaron Gray. There's none of that. It's, it doesn't look like the 1940s. It's not like in the, in the, or the 30s or whatever it was, the style of the, the original sort of Buck Rogers things. It doesn't have a, a pulp action feel to it. It's a generic 80s sort of game. Well, I say 80s, but it, the cabinet itself, which is kind of interesting that there were three cabinet types. There's the standard upright, and then there were two different cockpit or uh, what do they call it? environmental cabinets there was an uh, an enclosed one the typical environmental cabinet and also one that kind of looks like a convertible it's got no top it was an, an open version and uh the cabinet though the uh, the upright the side art is this uh like it's a black cabinet and it's got blue and gold logo and the control panel but the side art's this big futuristic silvery buck rogers kind of figure with a big gold star behind him i mean the game might be from 1983 but the side art is totally super disco so i was like <laughs> oh yeah disco rogers nice <laughs> the then there's like um not a lot of buttons we should talk about the control panel a bit so it's got one of the it's got this uh the the joystick type is an, a pilot joystick, one of those ones where the, the button's on the joystick, and then there's two buttons for speed control up and down, and the regular upright cabinet has a two-speed system, and the cockpit ver- version has a four-speed level, a four-level speed control, so it's a slightly different game in the environmental cabinet. So there's a few different games that were slightly tweaked for environmental. I think the Tron, uh, Discs of Tron, rather, has has voice in the environmental, but not in the, the, the upright. So strange how some games would have actually different versions in the environmental cabinet. Yeah, it's very odd. Uh, mm. You face several different enemies other than the, the source ship, and they vary in... Uh, in points, you know, 100, 200, 300. I, I wish I knew what these enemies were called, but I have uh, no description of them whatsoever. I do know that you're supposed to, you fly through, according to the manual, there's channels and there's also smasher tunnels. And I wasn't really sure which was which. And, <laughs> and, and you're flying through the spires of something called Cosmic City. And your final target is the all-powerful enemy source ship, which I guess is the source of the enemies. Hmm. It just doesn't feel like much effort went into producing this game <laughs> no, it, on it any is level. Super at all. generic, yeah, yeah. unfortunately, and, and I, which is funny for given such a like I knew of it as a game. I had played it before. It's got you know the Buck Rogers name, so this is not a uh, a completely unknown game. But I think it didn't get super popular for a reason. It kind of seems generic. Yep, I, I would agree with you. Hmm. And while we've been talking, I've been trying to find the stats on this. The stats are seven. <laughs> Seven or eight, something like that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Buck Rogers used two Z80A CPU chips at uh, 4.99 megahertz. Okay. Uh, and it used discrete sound circuitry. Um, I'm not really surprised that it needed a bit of horsepower. Like two Z80s at that speed is you know, a lot more horsepower than a lot of the games that we've talked about. But the scaling effects on this are actually pretty good. I mean, that's the reason, I think, to look at this game is to see how it's scaling these sprites from, from very small sizes to quite large ones. And, and it's not a super scaler, but it's scaling them pretty smoothly through, through, that, uh, through a fairly big range, I thought. For 1982, yeah. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's just a lot of motion going on uh, on the screen in general. Um, instead of having one or two one character and just the enemies, 
uh, moving around against a static background, everything's in motion here. So mm-hmm. that, that doesn't really mm-hmm. surprise me that much. Um, it has a 19-inch Wells Gardner CRT uh, with the, the horizontal uh, resolution, uh, which I think Zookeeper was also horizontal rather than vertical. It was indeed. Um, and as you pointed out, there were the three different cabinet types. And... And there you go. And not well, a lot of buttons. Well, again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Technically, there's there's just not much to this game. Well, it's an eight-way design. joystick, and it makes good use of it because you have to go in lots of angles. You can't. You couldn't really play this with a four-way because you got to go up and left, and your you know your ship moves around quite a bit. So it's a good use of an eight-way. So we're in a time period where there's lots of games that are four and lots of games that are eight, and this is a game that's eight for a reason. So that that's cool. The only thing I thought like. The whole Planet of Zoom name makes it sound like maybe they were trying to make a series of these. Like, this is Buck Rogers' Planet of Zoom, and next time will be Buck Rogers' you know, Return to Zoom or something. Um, and this game clearly did not... Uh, it wasn't popular enough to have any sort of spinoffs at all. Because <laughs> it's basically a an on rails shooter. Like you're just, you're going forward and there's that, that's it. Like there's things come at you in this quasi third person. Well, no, it is a third person perspective. It's quasi 3d and, and you shoot the obstacles and it, they get faster and faster and faster and you rack up a score and, and repeat like it's, it's pretty straightforward gameplay. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot less interesting gameplay than most of the games that we have looked at so far in this series. Well, and, and as I'd said, I think this concept was better executed in those later games. Mm-hmm. Um, the other flaw that, that I think this game has is that it's it's basically an endless endless game in that when you die, you can just drop another quarter in and continue. But unlike some of the other games that do that, the score doesn't reset. So you can just run the score up as high as you want. So there's Which not is a why lot I'm of... announcing that my score this time is 35 million. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in fact, it's ongoing. My score is... No, I've been, like, like you probably, I, I'm going to go with a score that I got in one play on one virtual quarter. And yes. that's, all that, that's all that counts. No, no replays allowed. I think you're right. And yeah. uh, so, so how'd you do? I did terribly. I got 11,637. Yes, my score ends in a seven. It's one of those (laughs) games where you can sort of get scores ending in anything, it seems. Yep. And I got 18,228. Wow, that's actually significantly higher than mine, percentage wise. Um, and it's not that I got bored. Like I said, I'm just not good at these games. I would just get blown out of the sky. Or more likely, I would run into something. I wasn't shot as much as I would just, you know, there, there's these walls and these towers and that kind of stuff. And I would just fly into them. <laughs> that happened to quite a bit. Yeah. Look at that wall. I wonder if it'll be friends with me. Blang. So, <laughs> mm. uh, the world record for this game is 1,016,495 points. Set On by how Kelly. many continues? Doesn't say. I'm less uh, impressed. You can continue. <laughs> Kelly Keenan set that record uh, on April 12th, 1984. Um, and it's I've, been set ever since. It has. And I'm looking at the, the Twin Galaxies scoreboard here as I say that. Um, and it looks like there hasn't been a whole lot of interest in setting high scores in this game either because the number 12 position is only 31,911 points. You can do it. I think you should go back and do it again. Uh, I'm, I'll be on that. I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> be on that. So was this game ported too much like i'm really not aware of this game in other formats i believe like i I, i'm pretty sure that a version of it though i don't know it was called planet of zoom but there was a buck rogers in the 25th century game of some sort i think for commodore 64 um and it came up for i think ibm as well but i don't know i don't think there was an apple version I don't know if there was. There must have been an Atari version or something. Well, I'm... This thing screams for put me on Atari. 
Unless the scaling was too difficult. I don't know. I can't find anything on this computer. <laughs> um. I know that there was a board game based on the on Buck Rogers called Buck Rogers Battle for the 25th Century. It came out in the late 80s by um, TSR. Hmm. So I know about that. And there was also a pinball game for Buck Rogers before this. It came out in 1980. So that was based on, like, I guess the the movie Buck Rogers in the 25th Century uh, that that uh, from which the TV was spun, the TV show was spun off. Um, that was started in 1979. So the pinball game at least came out well. It was sort of a hot property, not a year after the thing was canceled. Such a ridiculous time to put out this game. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a case of bad timing. Right. Um, it looks like it was ported to a few home computer systems of the day. The, the MSX had it. The it appeared on the the Sinclair Spectrum, uh, several versions of the Atari home consoles, and the Commodore sixty four, as you pointed out. I did point that out, but yeah, as far as I know, it wasn't an Apple II game, or at least I never saw it on that, never played it on that. I didn't really play this thing. I have no memories of actually playing this game in the arcade. When I was playing it, I kept thinking of games like Space Harrier, which I did play. And so it made me feel like I had played this before, but I don't know if I actually ever popped a quarter into a real Buck Rogers Planet of Zoom game, you know, back in the quote unquote day. Yeah, I don't think I did either. If I did, I I was so bored with it that I didn't have any memory. Which <laughs> of... is really too bad because it's not a terribly made game. I've, I've played far like games that are far worse than this that, that oh, sure. feel like they weren't even complete. This game has decent shadowing effects, a really nice virtual 3D, great scaling effects, that kind of stuff. The problem is all that nice technology and, and coding has gone into a really dull on-rail shooter with not a lot of variety. So it's, it's kind of wasted on the actual game. Yeah, it's just very uninspired. But then, but then again, there is the disco cabinet, so maybe that's the real reason to get it. Is right. Get yourself the disco cabinet, have a little <laughs> yeah. disco ball on the top, and Buck Rogers out. Yeah, so I, I think this is one of uh, one of Sega's misses. Probably. I think so too. Yep. Yeah, I do yeah. think so too. I think honestly that this was probably a very generic game, and they just happened to license the Buck Rogers name to slap on the side of it in the hopes that it would generate more income. I think that it shouldn't have, and I, <laughs> this is one of the first games. Or one of the few games that we've played that I wouldn't actually recommend people to seek out. I think it's kind of dull, and I don't think you'll get anything out of playing it. Right. If you're looking for this kind of game, as we mentioned, you know, play, drop a quarter or two into to Afterburner or mm-hmm. uh, Space Harrier. Yeah, Afterburner in particular. I really like Afterburner, and it's honestly the same sort of game, except um, with a much better, cool controller and stuff. And yeah, just yeah, definitely the way to go. But it essentially, this is Afterburner, but not as good. Right. So we are saying no to this quarters down to this one. But what about what does the future, the 25th century, what does the future hold, Mike? Are there more games in the future? And what would they sound like? Well, they might sound something like this, Carrington. Yes, I, I imagine that uh, many more people will have played this game, or at least be interested in hearing about this one than the Buck than Rogers Buck sequel. Yes, 
Buck Rogers in the other planet of Zoom. No, no, no more Buck Rogers for us. <laughs> oh, what a shame. I like the old the old serials. I'd watch those instead. Oh, well, absolutely. Sure. I, I love the TV forward. show. But... Yeah, me. See, I, I liked the TV show, but I think if I watch it again, I'll wonder if I still like the TV show. But I am a big fan of 1930s and 1940s serials, including all the Buck Rogers stuff. I'm an mm. old school Buck Rogers guy. I like those ones. Definitely. Yeah. So, thank you for podcasting with me, Mike. Well, thank you, Karen. I look forward to doing virtual battle with you on this next game next week. Bring it on. <laughs> Talk to you then. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, why not head over to iTunes where you can leave us a rating or a review. It really helps other people find the show. You can also interact with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, or follow us on Twitter at NoQuarterShow. Feedback to the show can be sent to feedback at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. <laughs>